0: there's nothing that is necessarily good or bad in the universe everything is neutral and we're the ones who are attaching judgment so once we kind of surrender the judgment and realize both are necessary for our growth then we can do some real work here
1: (laughs) at this very moment you're entering the vortex of mystic podcast Thank you so much for being here and spending some time with me. I'm really excited to just have a fun conversation.
0: (laughs) Yay, awesome. I'm excited to be here with you.
1: Thank you. And so for everybody that is listening, let's just, I'm just going to give you a couple of minutes to tell us what you do and your background. Uh, And then from there, I think we can expand in so much magic, but just to have like a basics of like. Who are you in a way that feels expensive for you to describe yourself?
0: Uh, I'm a practitioner of mindfulness and sustainability, minimalism and wellness. And I have my own YouTube channel and I have my own community called You're Living. So I've been doing that for the past two years. And before that, I was a shopaholic, actually, and I had a lot of destructive habits and a lot of a toxic routine that was very stressful and fast paced and very overwhelming and led to my burnout about seven years ago. So I entered into my path of healing my emotions, healing my mind and my soul and diving into spirituality through simple living.
1: This couldn't come in a better time because actually... Yesterday and the day before, I've been just having this conversation with, I'm here in Miami. I came here two days ago or three days ago. I landed with the Jag lag. It's really hard to say. (laughs) Anyway, at some point, very not too long ago, I landed in Miami and I'm staying with my sister and her partner. And we've been having such an amazing conversations about, you know, the need of shop and the need of doing certain things that, you know, they're just like a quick fix or something Mm -hmm. that you feel and like there is a lack that you feel there is like an urge that you feel there is this like feelings in the body and and, and in the mind of like Mm -hmm. I need to do this and then you know it's hard to stop ourselves from doing that when you are in the trigger when you are in the thing and then also talking about that we have control but sometimes we don't Mm -hmm. and the idea that um We kind of rationalize to the point that it's like, yeah, but it's it's not that bad. And I have it under control and all the things. So this conversation couldn't come at a better time because, you know, one of the biggest things that I've noticed in my practice, it's like I don't judge. I'm just very curious about how the human mind works. And I think it'd be super interesting to hear for you, how did you realize that this is something that you wanted to change and this is something that perhaps is not sustainable and how you moved into the sustainable living now? So, you know, how was that pattern for you? Like, how did you notice? Because I think so many people um, have this pattern of, of shopaholics and, and overconsumption. But again, we rationalize it in a way it's like, yeah, but everybody's like this, so it's not so bad. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think that's a great point. I mean, it's easy to be in that pattern and to continuously move in the direction that eventually lead to self-destruction and for me it was more like a self-sabotage way and we unconsciously, including myself, desire a way to attract these negative energies to our lives because I think deep down inside there's an emotional deprivation so once I believe that I'm unworthy of a good wholesome life, then I start to attract all these negative energies and these tools that eventually become a very toxic pattern. And my kind of a breakthrough for me was um, just going, going to the point of being so deprived inside and just facing the physical illnesses that I was facing, the amount of stress and tension I was holding onto my body and just the anxiety attacks I was dealing with. I was living in New York back at that time and just feeling so suffocated by me not being able to function like a proper human being and being in social situations and feeling like I want to vomit or just so nauseous and just have to remove myself from all that stimulation and accumulation of repressed emotion and all that stress. So once I kind of hit rock bottom, that was kind of my turning point. And I I realized how much I needed the nourishments, the true positive and proper nourishments to get back on track of just maintaining more of a grounded and neutral lifestyle that wasn't dipping so low, but also not going too excited or too, too on that high all the time. So I'm able to relax when needed and to be able to be productive uh, if that is also needed in my my um, adjustment periods.
1: <laughs> I think this idea of neutral frequency, and I've been adding it into my practice for the last mm. year because well, one of the things that I want to say about what you talked about first was this idea that if we have this innate, or it's not an innate, but if we have this, believe in this program uh, consciousness that says we're not worthy of something good then we're going to create this situations and these things both somatically in the body and the way we feel but also in the external reality that will prove that belief that innate belief that we have and it's it's so interesting because you know rationally a lot of these things when they are so conditioned they I mean they don't really make sense it's like why would I not want the best for me but it's not about that you don't want the best for you it's about the conditioned of the mind that has you believe subconsciously that you're not worthy of it or something something bad is going to happen if your life is too good and then the other thing that I thought it was super interesting that you talked about is the neutrality of things right because I feel like when it comes to like and I don't know why this is coming like this, <laughs> but it's like, talk about like marketing. You can't mar- market something of like, do you want to feel neutral? Because people are going to be like, no. <laughs> like, so true. you know, who who wants to be neutral? Like, no, I want to feel good, like in ecstatic emotions right. and in like pure ecstasies. So it's really interesting that like, it's not so popular to think that we want to mm. feel neutral. But, you know for you, for example, what do you feel like are the benefits or being able to hold that neutral frequency?
0: Mm. Well, I think, first of all, minimalism, the purpose of decluttering my internal world and the external world is so that I have a heightened sensitivity and I have better awareness because when there's distractions, it's hard to notice the small details in life. So once I remove the stimulating uh, objects, the stimulating content that I'm absorbing on social media or whatever, then I'm able to kind of uh, come down to a phase where I become more mindful of the subtleties of life and the fluctuations in life. So once I'm aware, then I can properly adjust if I need more of this or if I need less of this. So... become hyper aware (laughs) so that's when i can make the adjustments of neutrality because life i think is full of good moments as well as bad moments so if i'm exhausted i have to engage in an activity that lifts me up a little bit so i can be on that kind of middle ground and if i am too hyperactive and and doing so many things stay so productive then I need to relax and rest and do self-care. And if I'm too unproductive, I need to lift myself. So it's a balancing that we have to do. And to be able to balance, we have to be aware to be, to uh, notice the senses. Am I feeling a little tired? Am I doing too much? Or am I not doing enough? So that's where the minimalism kind of plays a role in uh, bringing that neutrality.
1: Yeah, I I totally hear that because the way you're describing it, what is coming through, it's like it's it's like energy management, right? Like we are energetic beings. And as we manage our day and our work and all the things that we do, this is like the unseen world that it's, you know, really what we are made of and what's creating that external reality all the time and how we feel. But so minimalism. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like, I get the concept of like, you know, get rid of all the things that you don't necessarily need, but is that the extent of it? Like, I want to, let's dive deep.
0: I think for me, it's not, the goal is not to get rid of things or to arrive at a state of perfect uh, purity or uh, perfect... um, the simple stereotypical perfect home where there's nothing and it's bareness and lack. I think that is more of the aesthetic approach of minimalism, which many people are attracted to as a trend. But once we establish ourselves as a practitioner, for me, it's more about removing the things that are unnecessary, that are unwanted, that I realize is no longer needed and then seeing all the bad things come up that I have to deal with (laughs) so once we remove kind of the distracting um things on the surface then we get to the root of the the true, true emotional clutter and the spiritual clutter that we have been repressing. So once that comes up, then then we can kind of cope with it. So I think we're back to the neutrality. It's not about removing the negativities, but it's more about objectively seeing the flaws within us and then kind of working with it to maintain a state of being okay with the imperfections within me instead of, oh my God, I need to remove this, the shame in me, this anxiety or this depression in me, it's more about coping,
1: <laughs> oh, like learning to learning to to navigate life with it, exactly. and so something is coming through and i and I wonder if this resonates with your work but so the other day, I was moving through with one of my clients, and the example that come that came through for her was like for example, caffeine addiction. Like we have our coffee every morning and then maybe one in the afternoon. And once we have that coffee, it's there's like this temporary fix of feeling empowered and feeling energetic and feeling like you can do anything, right? Like you're like super women and super, superman. And then what happens is that, you know, we never see the weird draws of that because the next day we take more coffee and take more coffee and take more coffee. But when we remove the caffeine then these, as you're saying, like we remove the, the the veil or whatever is temporarily not letting us see the truth. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, how do I manage my energy? I feel so tired. And then we get so frustrated and mad and, and like all of these emotions come through. And then the first thing that we want is like, I just want to I just want a coffee. I just want a coffee. But the idea also is but then that is also like um temporary power because you know, what, who has the power at that point is the coffee. It's not necessarily us.
0: I think it's the same for me uh, with clothes. When I was addicted to shopping, I was using these uh, outer layers to kind of uh, run away from the low self-esteem and, and self-consciousness that I was dealing with for many years, even before I came to New York through my childhood, so for like at least 18 years. So, That was what I was dealing with, and once I removed the outer shells of the fanciness of my clothes, the designer brands that I was disguising myself with, then I realized, wow, I have such a low self-esteem, and I don't cherish myself, I don't like my body, I don't like my face, and I have this um, struggle with allowing my imperfection to be seen by others, so that's when I I, uh, realized that, wow, that's the problem I need to deal with instead of masking myself with the fancy clothes or the outer layers.
1: And for you personally, and I guess with your clients, what is the biggest practice that you move through to, as you said, cope with these things that come up as, you know, as soon as we open the Pandora box and we take Mm -hmm. off the caffeine and we take off the clothes and then all of these things come through to the surface what is, you know, the practices that you use in order to to move through that? Because it, you know, a lot can come through, and it can be very destabilizing. Mm-hmm.
0: For me, I think the focus is more about arriving at awareness and full acceptance instead of actively trying to remove those negative traits. So we do a lot of shadow work together, comes from a Jung technique, and we just focus on uncovering what has been hidden first which is already in itself very powerful and very um, demanding. So it requires a lot of attention, focus, and energy, as well as courage and commitment. So once we're able to arrive there, then we have something good to work with, right? And then with that, we slowly work on kind of uh, objectively looking at it without the emotional attachment of saying that is bad or that is good. So if it's an example of low self-esteem, then we we take an objective viewpoint, remove ourselves, and see that oh a low self-esteem can actually be positive or be neutral because by having low self-esteem, we become a more productive person who tries to obtain things. And then we just have to redirect that need for obtaining that outer shell towards a more wholesome and nourishing mechanism. So for me, since I had such low self-esteem, I was using clothes. So instead of uh, comp- compensating that low self-esteem with clothes, then we kind of shift that compensating coping mechanism with some nourishment. So I can get into yoga to have better identity of myself. I can get into meditation. I can start going into plant-based living or some activities that elevate my courage and confidence. So it's not necessarily wrong to have low self-esteem. It's more about redirecting the energy of how we can overcome that, that flaw within us, quote-unquote flaw, but it's not really a flaw. It's an empowering moment.
1: Mm, I love the reframe. Super interesting. So one of the things that is, that is coming also is I think a lot of people can get, like we switch one addiction to the other. Does that make sense? Like a lot of the times we have an addiction to clothes or having an addiction to coffee or to bad relationships, whatever it is. And it's a bad addiction. And then we still move it to another addiction. Like one of the biggest things for me, for example, in my journey, when I started with yoga, I loved yoga. But at some point I realized and this was one of my teachers who brought it up and said, you know, addiction can look like anything. It Doesn't necessarily have to be a bad addiction. Like addiction can come in, in many forms. and. I noticed for myself that yoga also became an addiction for me Mm -hmm. because then it was just like I was going, you know, three times a day and that was all I was doing at the time. So how do you what's your take on on moving one addiction to the other? And is that like, yeah, I don't know what I what I want to say is even if it's a good addiction, I think like the addiction pattern is that something that we change by changing the, the, whatever that is?
0: I think that comes back to just humanness. And I recently talked about this in my podcast and I was saying that we just need a substitute to what we are addicted to and the bad behaviors that we are judgmental of. And so I did an example of, I used to be addicted to sugary processed donuts. And then now I'm still addicted to sugary, sugary food, (laughs) but it's not processed It's raw vegan. It's made of whole ingredients. So it, it doesn't make me feel sluggish or feel, um, that is uh, destructive to my health. So I think the substitutions are always wholesome ways because we just have to accept that we're human. We always have to depend on something as a physical being. That's the purpose of our physical selves. So once we're able to accept that, then we see that humanness is okay, being addicted. But towards the direction of nourishment and positive things is okay, as long as we also balance our physical desires with more spiritual work. So, once we just depend on our yoga addiction, no matter how positive we depend on it so much, then we deprive our spiritual selves. So, we do the physical doing this and the things that benefit us in terms of action and material. And then we also counterbalance that part of us with some spiritual work that doesn't require us to be actively engaged in an addictive behavior.
1: Mm, really interesting. So when you talk about we deprive our spiritual self, what is what is that definition for you personally? Because I think spirituality is so beautiful in a way that, and I, and I did a podcast episode about this too, that it's so personal, right? So there's not one... I mean, there are universal laws, yes, but spirituality can look so different for so many people, so for you specifically when you talk about the deprivation of the spiritual self what is that what does that look like for you
0: uh I think that would be for me work that is not tapping in uh work deprivation of work that is not tapping into the intuitive self, so if there is Uh, If I'm not working actively to work on my inner self, to reflect on my inner self, tap on to my feelings and contemplate, I think that is the deprivation of spiritual work. So in my practice, for me to approach spirituality, I uh, engage in consistent practice daily through meditation, through either prayer, affirmation, and I also do EFT tapping. So these things uh, cultivate the spiritual connection that I wish to maintain so that I can balance the physical energy and the non-physical energy.
1: Oh my God. You just said something really, really amazing because you said these practices are what help me maintain the connection that I want to have or that I want to maintain with my spiritual self. And I think this is so interesting because the spiritual connection is not something that we need to do. It's something that is there. But how much are we nourishing so that it is in our present reality, like in our forefront of our cortex, right? Because one of the biggest things that people feel is that they don't have a spiritual connection. And the thing is, like, there's nothing that is outside of the self. It's just a a side of the multidimensionality of who we are that is a choice to cultivate it so that it's in the forefront. Like, for example, if you would like to see, if you would like to stay fit, you go to the gym, you know. Not just once, but you go to the gym often so that, you know, eventually you can see that you are very fit in the physical world. So I think it's kind of the same. So super interesting that you you mentioned that spirituality is that continuous choice to have that in the forefront or to be aware of it in the forefront.
0: Yeah, I think it comes back to to your example of yoga. I mean, if I were to approach yoga and just about the asadas and physical doing this, then I think it can be limiting no matter how nourishing the practice can be and no matter how wholesome the foundation of of yoga can be. But if I were to approach yoga with a bit of more of a holistic approach where I wish to cultivate inner satisfaction, not just the physical satisfaction. And if I'm doing the meditation after the yoga practice or carrying the yoga not in the asanas but more in the breathing as well as mindfulness throughout the day and clean eating, then I think I create a spiritual experience of yoga, not just a limited version of of addictive yoga.
1: Yes, I love this. So, kind of shifting a little bit, my question would be: When it comes to consumption, no, conscious consumption, what is one of your like? Do you have any tips or anything that anybody that's listening to this and is like, actually, mm, I may have <laughs> a little bit of a of an addiction to consumption and an unconscious consumption behavior. What are the things that, or the first steps, or, or some of the like your tips to start to deep dive into this and maybe take a look at it and and Mm. as you say make it conscious
0: Mm. I think what's important to be able to consume mindfully is to be able to cut up uh, come to neutrality as I spoke in the beginning where if I'm deprived emotionally and spiritually then there's a craving and no matter how uh, how much I withhold myself from drinking that next coffee I'm going to get back into addiction in a couple of days or a couple of weeks so forced restriction always lead to binge eating or getting back out that oh. temptation so mm-hmm. once we kind of nourish yourself in other areas of our lives. The deprivation is naturally corrected because we rise to neutrality. And from there, we no longer deal with the cravings anymore. So it's not about physically removing the obstacle. It's more about nourishing ourselves so we're elevated to the point of saying, I'm not dependent on that anymore. I don't need that anymore because I have better things going on in my life.
1: So that nourishment that you talk about this is so interesting the nourishing that you talk about is self-love or what kind of nourishment are you talking about when you say i'm so full that these things become a choice and not uh a dependent mechanism or yeah
0: for me i think the nourishments are my spiritual practice and also we can't forget that we're physical beings so we want to be active we want to move our body and we want to have good time, bonding time with our family. So more focusing more on the things that spark joy and uh, having abundance of that in our lives to balance any stress or negative emotions that naturally come up. So we maintain uh, neutrality without needing uh, something to distract ourselves.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that because... One of the things that I've been noticing in patterns is the, especially with the work that I do with my clients is that there's so much focus on fixing things. There's so much focus on what is not working. There's so much focus on the things that we're actually not enjoying, but all of a sudden we don't allow ourselves to enjoy until we fix this thing that we feel that needs to be fixed. And one of the things the biggest thing that I teach, and I wonder how your your point on this is, but for me, it's like nothing needs to be fixed in order to allow something different to come through, meaning we are so multidimensional. Like, imagine if we couldn't, I don't know, like, see and walk. Like, what is that? <laughs> imagine if we could only see or walk. It, it doesn't make sense. And, and we treat ourselves like that. We're like, well, if I have, for example, one of the biggest things that I see is that if you are not feeling good, then you're not able to have a business or if you're not um, or if you have uh, problems with a personal relationship or intimate relationships, then a lot of people block money and block abundance. they kind of choose. But this is a choice, right? It's a choice for us to to block certain areas because we feel we're not worth it or because we feel that it's not possible. So it's so interesting that like we think that we can only do one thing or that one thing can happen or that we need to fix this in order to create something different. But it's not true.
0: Mm. I think that it comes back to the neutrality I was speaking about and why that is so important for me. A lot of times it's black and white. Either my life is good or either my life is bad. It's yes. positive or it's negative. And then, and then if it's not perfectly aligned with, with the, per- with that part, then it, it feels like it's not enough that we can't relax mm. and enjoy the state yeah. that we're in. So we have to kind of maneuver through these polar opposite forces and come back to the understanding that these things good and bad are necessary for us to grow. And it's actually necessary for us to be in a state of joy. So sometimes it's good to indulge in behavior. We think may not be that wholesome because that actually gives us the motivation to attract more wholesomeness. So in in my practice, sometimes I'm on my social browsing and sometimes I'm eating on binge, binge eating on raw vegan food. And that feels good. And some days then I learn from that behavior that I need readjustment. I need realignment. I'm going to get back on eating in moderation, eating mindfully, intuitively eating. I'm going to get back on detoxing from digital and enjoying nature and just being full in the experience of life, not in the, uh, the artificial world.
1: Mm, so you're saying that the polarity kind of one brings you back to the other and the other brings you back to the other.
0: Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> that's for the realignment that I'm talking about. Yeah.
1: Mm, and I love that because actually when we look at it that way, it's actual neutrality, even mm-hmm. though we are bouncing back and forth on those polarities we are seeing them more neutral more wholesome yes i think you know for everybody listening i understand and because you know what i was saying at the beginning it's like if i market i'm going to make your life neutral <laughs> or like you know i support you while you make your life really neutral that doesn't sound very enticing but if we really understand what neutrality looks like i was actually this is one of the things that i that i teach which was our our neutral frequency, like our, I call it home-based frequency. It's neutral. Mm. Our home-based frequency, it's neutral. And we just consciously, when we're doing the conscious practices, go up and down in the ladder of like a volume, right? So the volume is really up and the rallying is really low. And then sometimes, but that understanding that the neutral, it's our home-based frequency. It's such a relief of pressure.
0: Yes, exactly. It just goes back to us being human, and that's completely okay. And we can start to apply self compassion as well as self understanding once you accept that we are the bad habits as well as the good habits and at the end all of these are just a self-created idea <laughs> there's nothing that is necessarily good or bad in the universe everything is neutral and we're the ones who are attaching judgment so once we kind of surrender the judgment and realize both are necessary for our growth then we can do some real work here <laughs>
1: Yes, I like we are the ones who create an identity or who make a meaning out of whatever it is that is happening. We're the ones who, who label it per se.
0: Exactly. So it comes back to also minimalist as well. I mean me identifying myself as more of an extreme minimalist with low furniture. I once lived out of a backpack. I had no furniture at some point for a couple years. So I'm experimenting continuously, but that doesn't change the fact that I still have material attachments. I have belongings that I cherish, like my yoga mat. I love my futon bed or my bicycle and my my gear for uh, running my YouTube channel. All of these things are necessary. So do we conclude that, in other pers- other people's perspective, that I am a material and obsessed person who is very uh, vain, or do we conclude that I am a minimalist person who's not really attached to these things? So, d- depending on the perspective, it can all be different. I'm both, I think.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I like everything is is about perception, like how you see things. Um, so the, you being into stream minimalism and you said that you continue to explore, so you're not like really rigid about this is the way, and I'm going to stick with it my entire life. Yeah. You kind of see it as an experiment. And in this experiment, I wonder about, cause you mentioned having anxiety attacks and having a lot of pressure, feeling sick in the body. So when those things, because I think in our society nowadays, more than ever, we have more anxiety than ever, more mental health um these regulations like so many things so when you started to declutter and and create all of this space for yourself did you find that because you created so much space but so much came to the surface did you feel like it actually contributed to your anxiety or as the beginning it was actually more anxiety and more um destabilization because of all the things that you were finding about yourself Mm -hmm.
0: I think the anxiety comes not from the presence of the toxic emotions or the negative emotions, the unwanted feelings, but the anxiety comes from repressing it. So uncovering it and removing the surface things that are blocking the negative emotions doesn't necessarily result in more anxiety or more stress. It's more about The resistance to what is happening, which is the negative emotions, is what creates stress and anxiety. So, if I'm consciously removing the things that are distracting me from seeing my true problems, then actually there's relief uh, instead of more overwhelmed.
1: So, for you, do you still deal with anxiety and um, like the somatic feelings, the the somatic? I guess manifestation, <laughs> like the somatic results of the inner of, of your inner reality, or is it a lot better for you now?
0: Yeah, it, it is a lot better, but I still have to cope with these rising feelings because I'm naturally human, and these are things that we all deal with. It's just that I'm more in tuned and aware to take notice of it in the moment that it rises. So if I'm in a crowded place and I feel tension rising, I feel anxious and overwhelmed, that I can notice that I have these feelings and accept that I'm not an imperfect being just because I'm dealing with this. So I'm able to say, what's the next best decision in this moment? It's first to remove myself from this environment, breathe a little bit, and then re-enter if necessary. So I give, my su- give myself more of a breathing room, and I'm able to cope with these naturalizing emotions because my body and my mind and my emotions are less distracted by other matters that are not really wholesome.
1: Mm. Yeah, I love the the idea that it's not really to get to perfection because I think that's the... And it's such a big, one of the biggest shifts in my journey has been the yes living, which means the, because one of the biggest things that blocks us, in my opinion, it's the resistance of what is, whatever that is, because again, everything is neutral, is whatever we label it as. So the the yes living, it's like, if there is anxiety, yes, like I'm not going to. I'm not going to try to push it away or try to fix or do anything with it because the resistance of what is, is what actually creates that um, anxiety as you're talking about. And that, you know, feeling like I'm imperfect and this is not okay and all the things. Mm-hmm. So that, that idea of whatever is happening, it's for me and I don't have to fight it, but then I can move with it because I feel like, especially in the personal development world, we have, A lot of the times we put this we we put people in the pedestal of Mm -hmm. if they're if they're teaching these kind of things the pedestal of like oh but now they have a perfect life and and it's not really about having a perfect life it's it's to really know ourselves so well that we have the practices that can bring us back to neutrality so that we can explore more that wholeness that we are.
0: Uh, it's such a good point i mean that's kind of the the negative side of being a kind of a youtuber someone who is a social presence where it's easy to kind of fall into that superficial display of oh i'm in a perfect state of calmness (laughs) and peace and a lot of the times even though my intention is not that the audience can tend to perceive it that way and they feel pressure to be like me or or to resonate the comparison begins yeah and I think that's where it really is a trap for a lot of people including myself if I have that tendency sometimes so it's really good to balance that material mindedness with more of a spiritual reminder that I'm not my body I'm not the attachment to my thoughts I'm not this physical self there is a greater presence a higher power that uh, is leading me and once i believe that then the material things they're just uh to, just on the surface that most people perceive but i have greater purpose
1: <laughs> absolutely i think you know and it's a reminder that not only as you said not only the consumers but us as the creators, like content creators or whatever, like both the consumer and content creators, because we are both at the same time to remind ourselves that, you know, again, it's not about bypassing the human experience. It's not about becoming perfect. It's about knowing ourselves and creating environments that nourish us and and environments that, you know, make us feel good. But it's so important to remember the comparison game. How it is easy to look at somebody that, you know, looks perfect and then make us feel and then we make ourselves feel bad about where we are, whatever that is.
0: I mean, that was probably why I fell into shopping addiction in the first place. I had low self-esteem because I constantly compared who I was, where my identity, my values and my mindset with something that I felt was the ideal uh, so I'm constantly pursuing that ideal version of myself through accumulation of things that make me feel more wealthy or more abundant or prosperous. So it comes back to that, I think, as well.
1: Hmm. It's so interesting because you said something about like I'm continuously trying to reach this pers- perfect version of myself. So hmm. talking about luxury brands and 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 shopaholic and consumerism like for me it's been so interesting because for such a long time I had stay away from big brands and from luxury shoppings and from all of these things and at some point I realized especially now like this literally happened just a few days ago that I came here to Miami I was actually I wanted his sunglasses. So two years ago, <laughs> let's go back. So two years ago, I was here in Miami with my partner. And we one day we were shopping for sunglasses for him. And he got the sunglasses. And I found the sunglasses. And they were so pretty. And I love them. And at the time, I was like, you know what? Like, this is too expensive. This is crazy. Like, no, this is absolutely like a no. So I just left it like that. And then two years after, I come back. And I go in the in the airport I've been mean, walking around I have a lot of time so I'm walking around and I go into the sunglasses the, the, the sunglasses department and I see the the Celine glasses again and I was like oh, I really love these glasses yeah. <laughs> they're actually really nice but it was such a difference because it was such a different me the one that before my my thought process before was like okay when I wear these glasses I'm gonna be this person when I, when I own these glasses, I'm going to be this person. So it's always this constant, um, like using things to anchor who, who we think we want to be or who we think people want us to be and all the things. And it's so different nowadays because, I mean, I've created incredible abundance in my life. And at this point, I, I know I can, I can have anything I desire pretty much, but it's not about, that identity anymore it's about like how fun can I have with this thing so I'm going to celebrate my 30th birthday with my family in Mexico so I'm like oh having the sunglasses is gonna be so fun and, and I love them and I, and I really cherish them because I, I feel like they are like um uh, not just like any other sunglasses they're like they, they, there's something with them there's this beautiful vibration about these glasses and what they mean to me but it's not about you know feeling me or making me whole, but it's about how fun I can have with the sunglasses. So I think it's so interesting about what we try, like a purchase of a luxury item or a purchase of of clothing, how much you can tell about who we are and where we are in, in our personal journey and how fulfilled we feel. But it's still, I'm not immune to the fact that I caught myself also after like I bought my glasses and then two days after we went to the mall again I think it was yesterday we went to the mall again and I saw you know myself saying oh I need this and I need this and I need this and I need this and then getting overwhelmed about like oh my god I need so many things and I was like but do I though like where is this coming from and again it was like I need this to be this kind of person and it's like no (laughs) not really so
0: I really resonate with it I mean I buy as I said I eat the same donuts but I just eat a more healthy version that is more compatible to me. And that's where we come back to the, to the intention aspect. I mean, it's more about attracting that good thing in our life because I deserve it because I'm a wholesome being. And having that addition uh, elevates my uh, self but it's not that my worth is dependent on that object that's outside of me and that's a totally different experience i can engage in the same thing by the same thing but have a different mentality and once we shift our mentality from craving to appreciating and feeling grateful and aligning more with abundance internally and externally then i think it's major shift And I have an actual example of my um, approach to finances. When I first started my YouTube channel, my mentality was being a YouTuber, putting myself out there, doing coaching, all these things, writing my own book, all of these things are going to be seen as superficial. It's all about success. It's all about rising above others and getting into that competition. So I thought, I shouldn't be that kind of person. So I prevented myself with aligning more with expansion. But once I kind of aligned my intention towards more wholesomeness and saying, I'm going to help people and I'm going to channel my creativity. I'm going to align more with my design of manifesting generator. Then I'm able to do the same things, but approach it in a more, of uh, a positive way that nourish me as well as be of benefit to others, and I realized that that's the shift from scarcity mindset and lack mentality to abundance mindset and about generosity and towards the shift towards humbleness, and that was really a big moment for me. That probably many minimalists will also experience when they once they uh declutter and. They arrive at being content with what they have and they don't feel too stressed about buying more things.
1: So wait, so the, your finances, what you were talking about is that at the beginning there was this, um, the goal was a success and then it shifted into the goal was actually something that was good for you, something that was good for the people watching you, something that was good for the world. And then that kind of, as a byproduct created the abundance and created this kind of life that
0: it's enjoyable.
1: Is that what you're saying?
0: Exactly. So if I try to pursue those sunglasses just for the material benefit of me elevating my status through it, then I can think it can be a little limiting. But if we see that the sunglasses is, is something we appreciate, I feel grateful for that it's aesthetically pleasing and nurturing for me, then that's a completely different experience.
1: Oh, yes. I love that. And I love that you're saying that, you know, that was the difference between abundance mindset and lack mentality, because this is one of the biggest things that I continue to work on. And and I mean, not continue to work on, but like to anchor in my reality so that I come from not lack mentality, but from abundance mentality of like actually you know, everything is possible. Everything is energy. I can, I can, there is, everything is available to me because what it, what it actually is, is an experience, is a somatic experience in the body and, um, uh, psychological experience as well. And that is, I can do that right now. Like I can say, let's, let's go up into full ecstasies, put really good music and all of us can hide in the vibration and feel as if you achieved everything that you've ever wanted. But as I'm saying this, there's two things about that, because it's like we can do that. Actually, we can put a really good music mm-hmm. <laughs> and raise into a really high vibration and feel as if we'd achieved everything that we desire. But for a lot of people, I think that would trigger whether they think they're worth it or not. And if we mm-hmm. don't think we're worth it, even if even if that feeling is available to us, we can not tap in it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think the internal works kind of makes the physical experience determines the physical experience as a uh, wholesome or unwholesome so if we have the the positive background in us already and we have that experience established then whatever we do physically is not going to be vain it's not going to be material it's not going to be limiting so the, in alignment really is the work that we must do internally
1: yeah and that in turn the alignment as we're talking about the, the removing of the things that um are kind of putting that veil or temporarily not letting us see clearly into what what are the areas in our lives in which we need more nourishment? What are the areas in our lives in which we need to reframe? What are the areas in our life in which, you know, the way we were brought up, the way we saw around as we developed was not a nourishing programming?
0: Yeah, and this process takes, for me at least, a lot of time. It took me five years to have more of established practice and now i'm into seven years and five years is the point i started sharing my youtube and even that even then i was still continuous growing i'm growing now and a lot of the times my audience asks how long it's gonna take to heal and and through the coaching we they ask if um If if this is going to be the cure or the remedy to what they feel is in the way, but it takes time to do the readjustment, the realigning and do the inner work so that we wait for the manifestations to happen conditionally. So we have to be patient.
1: Yes, I think that's a really good point to anchor about all of this, that repetition and practice. It's really what creates new behaviors. It's, you know, we can do all the energetic work that you desire, but if you don't continue that vibration or that frequency, if you don't anchor it every day to make it um, the the what's the name that I'm talking about that I, the word that I'm thinking the default like if we don't mm-hmm. create it so that it becomes automation because we have something in automation in a lot of the times there are things that we don't want in automation but to to shift that into into something different that repetition it's part of the practice and when it comes to that repetition I like to say that it's not that at some point we're going to be fixed it's just that it's a continuous growth and is a continuous evolution and that it just actually never ends because who wants to end at like um I mean I don't know, maybe people do want to go to a mountain a mountain and just be a monk and just sit there and, you know, that's that. But but I think without bypassing the human experience, it never, it's never going to end. But do you really want it to end? I want to continuously get better. I want to continuously explore things. and it takes what it takes. And when you know when I cracked one code, amazing. Let's get to the next one and, and be grateful, but at the same time, continue to look forward to all the versions of ourselves that we get to experience in our lifetime through continuous growth and evolution and healing.
0: Yeah, I, I, I love the process-oriented mindset. And that's really where the gem is. I think even monks, when they go into the uh, seclusion, I mean, at least the monks that I know from, from my journey, they're not enlightened. They haven't reached a state of perfection. I've seen many monks become angry or they have <laughs> material-mindedness at some point. But it's that they just have dedicated themselves to practice of aligning with something they feel is is wholesome as, as the nourishment. So they are also continuously working. It's not that they have reached perfection. And I think it's good to remember that we are all human, that it's all a journey that we have to do adjustments that we have to be flexible. And there will be times we go from back and forth from shopping to, to no shopping or binging to eating mindfully. And it's really good to allow those experiences to be present, to celebrate how precious diversity is.
1: I love this so, so much. Thank you so much for sharing your, your time for sharing yourself with us, for letting us pick your brain and, and have this conversation with me and for everybody that gets to listen to this conversation. Thank you so much for your presence and, and for everybody listening too. Thank you so much for tuning in and, and for being in this journey together. Oh, my goodness. So after this, I'm sure, especially with the conscious consumerism and minimalism and, you know, simple living and sustainable living, a lot of people would want to be in your world and and listen more about um, everything that you have to share and your point of view. So where do we find you?
0: You can find me on my YouTube, Here You're Living. You can find me on Instagram, most of the social platforms, and as well as listen to my podcast, Here You're Living. So you can reach me and we can also work together and build a community through my coaching. So feel free to join if anybody's interested.
1: I love that. Thank you, UM. This has been so amazing. And of course, for everybody the note in the note shows, you're going to get all the information about UM if you just... Um, go into to the show notes and there's going to be everything there this has been so m- neutral in a really good way like a really fun <laughs> conversation that <laughs> didn't go too high or too low it's just like a very very chill energy so I really like this thank you for sharing your, your time with us and thank you everybody for listening I'll see you on our next episode bye
0: bye